The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Sometimes in publishing, it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble, it's what you don't know that you don't know. It's the unknown unknowns. And one th- one thing that a lot of authors don't know to even ask about is metadata. So hold on to your horses, ladies and gentlemen, because we are going to nerd out today about metadata with Joshua Talent. Joshua is a metadata nerd who's got his start in publishing uh, ebooks for uh, Bible application, and he's been doing this in publishing in one form or another for 30 years, and uh, he later became a leading expert in the Kindle ebook format, which secretly all Kindle books are web pages, but that is not the topic today. It's very fascinating. Um, but uh, he now serves as the director of sales and education for Firebrand Technologies, a company that helps publishers manage their internal workflows, digital distribution and marketing efforts. Joshua, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show. Thank you, Thomas. And I have to correct you, I'm not 30 years. I'm not that old. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> about <laughs> since 2002. So uh, not, not quite 20. Okay, so just 20 years, 30 years, all the same difference, basically <laughs> since the beginning of ebooks. Uh, yeah, so, sorry about that. Uh, but we, I have to ask right here at the beginning, because a lot of people heard the phrase metadata and their eyes immediately started watering. They've heard the phrase somewhere before, maybe in uh, regards to the government or spying. And they're like, wait, <laughs> books can have metadata? What is metadata? It's it's data about data. It's so basically in the book context, uh, unlike the uh, the spying context, uh, it's the the things about your book, the title, the author, the book description, uh, the bisect subject categories, all of that information about your book that you want a retailer to have, uh, that you want a consumer to be able to read and understand so they can buy your book. That's the metadata. And why is metadata important? Well, there's a direct relationship between the data you provide to retailers and the sales of your book. Uh, If you think about it, if you go to a website, go to Amazon or anywhere else to buy any kind of product, if if there's not a good description there, you're probably not going to purchase that product. Uh, If you don't know what it's doing, know what it's about, know how it's supposed to be uh, helping you or whatever, it's not helpful to you as a consumer. And the same thing is, is even more true of books. I mean, you think about it, if you go to a bookstore and you're looking at the shelves, uh, you're going to look at the the spine of the book. Uh, you're looking at the title of the book and maybe the author's name. You might be looking for a specific author even and then browsing through the books that they've read, they've written. So there's a lot of different reasons that you uh, think about the data of a book when you're purchasing a book in physical form at a bookstore. And online, it's even more problematic for a consumer to not have that data right in front of them. Um, and so if you go to a, uh, you know, a website, you want to be able to read uh, some information about the title, maybe even read an excerpt. Uh, you want to know, you know, if you're looking for a specific topic, uh, say in the Christian publishing world, you're looking for something on a specific book of the Bible, or you're looking for a topic, you know, something about um, about faith or something else that you want to be able to find that product that's going to really help you and really address your questions. So without having that information, you won't be able to find that t- that title. Yeah, I worked with a company that had just acquired another struggling publisher and they brought in all of these books and you know these books weren't selling particularly well right this previous publisher had been struggling and the first thing that they did before marketing or any of the rest of it was go through all of the metadata for all of the books and clean it up because the metadata was a mess and i was stunned at the time what an impact that had 
on increasing sales. And what was amazing was that it was passive, right? Once it was done, it was done. Once a book had the correct metadata, it, it uh, would rank better on Amazon. More people would see it. The people who did see it would be more likely to buy it. It really makes a difference. Because I think a lot of authors think, oh, when I my book gets listed on Amazon or some other online site, right? You mail a paper copy to Amazon and one of the Amazon employees opens up that paper copy and types up all the information. It's like, that is not how millions of books get added to Amazon. No one, no human being at Amazon touches your book uh, until it is sold. In fact, for a lot of India, authors. Um, and, and the book doesn't even exist in the real world until it is sold. They don't even print it until it is sold. And so all of that data, the description and the cover and the keywords um, are, it's all done by the publisher. So it's either the publisher, if you're traditionally published, or you, the author, if you're independently uh, published. And it is really important. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a direct relationship to sales. There have been multiple studies about this over the last couple of years. Uh, Nielsen in 2016 released a study about metadata here in the U.S. They compared the the data for basically they, they looked at sales for all titles that had sold. There are 2.5 million different titles that sold in a one year period. And if you think about that as an author, you're competing with 2.5 million other titles. Uh, so you have to stand out in some way and you have to actually have some sort of uh, data that's going to make a difference. They found that 100 of, of the 100,000 best-selling titles, uh, those made up 86% of sales. And they also found that the metadata for those titles, that 100,000 titles, that bestseller list, basically, the metadata for those titles, even within that set of titles, had a huge impact on sales. Things like if you have just the basic data, 75% to 170% difference in sales. Uh, cover image, 51% higher sales. A book description, author bio, and reviews, 72% higher sales. Keywords, 34% higher sales. So even within the best-selling titles, the metadata that you provide to, uh, to these retailers will actually make a huge difference in how well your book sells. Yeah, because the 70% increase in sales is huge. Like that's, I mean, and this isn't like paying for advertising where you have to pay the money every month. It's like once you put in the metadata, which for some companies, it's money because they pay somebody to do it. But for a lot of people, it's just effort, right? It's just actually sitting in front of a computer and filling in all of those little boxes, right? Because it's really easy to just click next and leave those boxes empty. And often I found with um, some publishers, the person who's doing the metadata is often the lowest paid person in the company, <laughs> uh, right? Like this is not the CEO who's doing it. This is not the vice president of marketing who's doing the metadata. It is like the new intern and it's like the hazing, right? It's like, oh, yep. you got to go do metadata for these books, <laughs> which is kind of unfortunate because it's like, oh, this new intern, it's hazing. It's like, no, this is actually incredibly important making sure that this is done well and done strategically because it's not just a matter of having a uh, description there or having keywords there having the right keywords for your book really makes a difference because amazon search engine is not like google search engine so web pages actually have metadata too and there's a metadata keywords field that google ignores because everyone abused it so badly <laughs> that they found that it was more useful to ignore it than to look at it at all so when you type in meta keywords into your website uh, it doesn't affect google at all no but it affects amazon directly 
Right. Because Amazon's like Google circa 2002 in its search engine. And so it, it absolutely affects Amazon. So what are some, let's talk about keywords real quick. What are some tips when it comes to putting keywords into our book? And these are keywords that no one sees except the Amazon robot. Uh, what are strategies that people use when they're trying to think of what keywords to use? Well, first and foremost, get out of your own head. The problem that most publishers have and most uh, authors have is they they make up keywords for their title that they think people will uh, find interesting or that people will use. But in reality, what all the research has shown is that um, if, if you get into the head of your consumer, then you're much more likely to create valid keywords that will actually help discoverability. And that's an important point, too, is that keywords impact discoverability. They don't necessarily impact sales because if I see your book just because I see it doesn't mean I'm going to buy it, right? The the actual conversion of that discovery into a sale depends on the book itself. It depends on the other metadata, book description, the cover art, all the other things that are important as well. But for keywords, what the goal of keywords is just to bring more people to your book, to actually show your book in more search results. So you have to go look at what consumers are saying about your book. If a consumer says that your book is uh, is you know really great for this reason or talks about this topic, and you didn't have that in any of your metadata, then the book will never show up for that in search. We actually uh, worked with a client on this uh, a while back, and it's not in the Christian space, but it was in the education space. They make books for uh, for uh, teachers who deal with children who have autism, and these books are very specialized. They work with you know they're very specialized issue, and what they found after doing a basically an, an assessment of their audience uh, using audience analysis, they actually found that all of the uh, readers of their book or a large number of the readers of their book were actually parents of children with autism who were trying to understand better how to, how to help their kids with education. And so they changed their metadata to adapt to that reality, and they saw an increase in their sales. You have to think about the who the consumer is, understand what kind of words they use. So I would say, in practical terms, go look at the book reviews. Who Who's reviewing your book and what are they saying about it? Take those phrases, those important pieces of information, and use those for your keywords. And the other thing is, go through this as an iterative process. A lot of times, publishers for all types of metadata just kind of ignore uh, the future. They do it once and we're done. And uh, that's not the way metadata works. You need to you know, try new things all the time. Make changes. Go back in and, and make the changes to your metadata in any way, like your keywords, your book description, your author bio. Those things are important to keep up to date. Every, you know, it's an evergreen process. You know, If you go back every three months or every six months for your books and just refresh that data, not only does it tell Amazon that, hey, something's different here, maybe we should pay attention. And so their algorithms will actually pick that change up. But it will also ensure that your title stays fresh and that your, you know, your information is adapting to uh, the current realities and not just what, you know, what your book was about two years ago, but, you know, what's going on in the news and what's going on in, in the society today. And uh, I love what you said about iterative process. And I realize we're using a lot of big words in this episode. So just hang with us, folks. We're going to try try to explain it. But when you're iterating, it's it, you're making little changes over time. And the temptation is with publishing that you kind of put the book out there and then you don't touch it after that. Maybe you do some promotion, but the book itself is like frozen. It's like an artifact of time. And back in the day when the only form of the book was a print book, that made sense. But now with print on demand and short run printing and with eBooks, the book itself evolves and the data about the book the description about the book the keywords about the book needs to evolve too even if you printed a million paper copies and the artifact of the book is unchanged you learn more 
about the book. And I love that approach of taking the keywords that you know are working from reviews, right? That it's like you've done a focus group, but instead of spending $10,000 for a focus group, you just spent 20 minutes reading the reviews and looking for phrases that the authors who were the readers who have already purchased your book, right? These aren't people who say, oh yeah, I would buy it, you know, on a focus group and they totally wouldn't buy it. These are people who've spent money and they're now giving you feedback. That is incredibly useful feedback. And I will say, this is where an author comes in because a publisher who's putting out, uh, let's say 52 books a year, every week they're doing a new book and they're, you know, it's 10 weeks since your book came out or a hundred weeks since your book come out. There's a lot of books that they are thinking about and they are not thinking about your book anymore, most likely, right? If it was a bestseller, maybe they're giving it more attention. But you as an author, you are still thinking about your book. (laughs) You're thinking about your book a lot. And this is one of the ways where you can come back and revisit that metadata and make suggestions to your publisher. If you're independently published, just make the changes yourself. And you are um, often going to be the one who's going to put in that additional time and is motivated to do so. So this isn't just the publisher's episode. This affects every author needs to be keeping metadata in mind. Yeah, and the backlist is getting much more important in publishing. If you look at the uh, the revenues of major publishers, they're seeing an increase in the, the amount of sales and the revenues they're getting from backlist titles. Because like you said, print-on-demand and other, even just online selling in, in general has made the long tail, that that idea that a book uh, kind of makes its big money at the beginning and that kind of slowly gets out of the bell curve and, and uh, you know keeps that long tail for a long period of time. That long tail is getting longer. Titles that were, you know, bestsellers four years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago actually have the ability to sell more today because they are competing for visual space in a search results list on Amazon or somewhere else directly with the front list title, with a title that's, uh, that's just now being published. Uh, and if the two books are on the same topic, and the two books are, or the two books have the same kind of uh, concept behind them, then they're very likely to compete with each other directly, regardless of how old that other book is. And the older book, in some ways, is going to have an advantage, right? It's going to have more reviews, potentially, because it's got all of that legacy, unless it's really old. I've noticed there's a a cutoff somewhere in the 90s, where if a, a book came out, and people weren't really on Amazon yet. It may have almost no reviews because, you know, the heyday of reading that book has come and gone before the heyday of reviewing happened. But assuming that you had an initial surge of reviews in the first year your book came out, that's a huge asset that maintains with your book into the future and that new books have to compete with. So, yeah, they're the cool new title from the cool new author, but they only have 50 reviews, whereas your book's got 150 reviews or 750 reviews because it's been getting 50 reviews a year for the last 10 years. Yeah. And it's interesting too, to see this change over time. Uh, there's, there are a lot of independent authors that I've, I've heard talk about, especially those in the fiction world, uh, about how their books will sell. If you, if you write a, a series of titles and you come out with, you know, you know, volume two or volume three or whatever, book two, book three in the series, then you will very likely see an uptick in sales for the earlier editions, the earlier volumes as well. So it makes a huge difference uh, to go back and look at the, the metadata for those titles and make sure that it matches, right? Because you're going to do things better as you get as you get along in the process. If you're on book four in a series, the metadata you put out for book one is probably really bad compared to what you have for book four because you're growing, you're, you're learning. So go back and update that data as well because that will impact the sales of that book. And even if it's not in the same series, it's an earlier title that you wrote or an you know, earlier book that you published. Um, if, it's in, if it's in any way connected, it's a great idea to go back and take that opportunity and say, well, we're coming out with this new title. Let's go update the data for the older titles as well. 
Yeah, that's really powerful. And I can confirm because I just finished a series about dragons that was a um, the original series. I actually had got caught up on the series on a second series in the same literary universe. I read those books and really liked it. And I was like, oh, there's a an earlier series. And so I went back and I just finished the earlier series. And I've ended up buying a lot of books from this author <laughs> because um, of the, their most recent books coming out and it catching my attention. So that that is a really powerful strategy, putting books in series. And putting books in series is actually an issue of metadata as well, because you can, in the metadata, connect those books to each other, where in some bookstores do this really well. It's like Audible, you can click on the series name, and it will bring up a list of books in the correct order in that series and uh, makes it really easy to buy the next book. But if you don't do that right, like if just one character is off, sometimes suddenly you have two series, <laughs> you have the series with the extra space at the end and the series without the extra space and it doesn't show correctly. And this is one of those um, areas where you, you can't just set the metadata. You have to also check to make sure that the metadata is displaying correctly on uh, the various bookstores and because Otherwise, you could be missing out on potential sales. Yeah. And and every bookstore is different as well about how they show that kind of data. And that's one of the problems and frustrations you'll run into, whether you're a publisher or an author, is trying to make sure that the data that you're giving to a retailer is actually being used uh, and being used appropriately. And that this is one of the things that we run into all the time in our work and in, in sending out data to retailers is it doesn't get pulled in properly you know, or doesn't get used. That, that series field, a lot of times the series of the book uh, on certain book websites is just not used and it's not shown at all. Uh, so there's no relationship. There's no ability to say, here's the series of titles and what, you know, wh- what's the name of the series and how do I see all the list of uh, titles in it? It's just not there. There's, you, you have to know that it's part of the series and what number it is in that series yourself in order to even, uh, even figure that stuff out. Yeah, it, 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 metadata can get uh, very difficult and, and very complicated. And one potential complication, and let me know if this exists or not, is with Christian books specifically. Is metadata different at all from Christian books as opposed to secular books? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when Christian publishers are pushing out data, their their data is going to be directly influenced by the type of book. So if you're doing a Bible commentary, or even more importantly, you're doing a Bible, you're publishing a Bible, uh, it can be very important for your data to be even more specific and for you to send out even more detail uh, about your title than it would for a secular publisher. Uh, Bibles in specific, if you look at Amazon, they have a Bible store and they do things like they give the consumer the ability to sort by things. So, you know, does it have the letters of Jesus in red or does it have uh, does it have a, a, a ribbon or does it, you know, is it uh, just New Testament or is it New Testament and Old Testament? These, these kinds of things are metadata that you can give to the retailer for them to help categorize and sort your book in the proper place. Uh, and that makes a huge difference for you know your sales, because if you don't have that data, you're not going to show up in that list. Uh, you're not going to be filtered. Huge difference. Yeah. All of the money you spent adding that ribbon to all of those Bibles doesn't do you any good in terms of marketing if it, you're not showing up on the list on Amazon of Bibles with ribbons in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the series thing, too. I mean, if you think about a Bible commentary series, you know, that that's really important to get the series name consistent from book to book to book in your data and to make sure that all of those are connected together in the data and to make sure that you have a list somewhere. And this is where I would even say it's not just about what you send out to a retailer. It's about what you have on 
online? What do you have on your website? Do you have a list of all the books in that commentary series in the order that you want them to be read or uh, in the order that makes the most sense? Do you have good descriptive copy on your website uh, where if people search for the book, you know, honestly, I'd prefer if, if I search for the book that I find the publisher's website first at the top of the list and not Amazon, because I would actually prefer to see what the publisher really says about the title. And I can see a lot more usually. Uh, publisher websites uh, often have things like videos with the author and, you know, these other kinds of things that help me see, is this the kind of title that I want to read? And in the Christian world, that's even more important because if I don't know the publisher very well, but I have a specific kind of approach to Christianity or specific uh, denominational uh, or theological approach, I want to know if I am going to read this title, is this actually going to match with what I believe? Uh, or is it going to you know be something that I want to read because I want to challenge myself in my beliefs? You know, and the, coming to that with the, the right understanding and being able to choose a title based on what I'm looking for, you're not going to get that all the time at Amazon or other places. So the publisher's website becomes that much more important. Yeah, my team at Author Media developed a WordPress plugin called My Book Table, which has become the most popular bookstore plugin for WordPress. And one of the things we spent a lot of time doing was adding lots of fields for lots of metadata <laughs> and um, working with authors on how to do it. So like we have a series field and then a series number. And one of the things we learned was that we had to have um, not just whole numbers, but decimals because authors would write book one, then they'd write book two, and then they go back and write book 1.5 <laughs> as like a short story in between books one and two, or they'd have book zero or 0.5. I've seen all kinds of crazy things. And so we had to uh, adapt the plugin where you click on the series name and it lists all the books in the correct order, even if it's, you know, book one, book 1.2, book 1.3, book two, right? And it, it handled all that uh, really well. And some publishers use it because it, it, it works in the sense that you click on the author name, it shows you all the books by that author, and it's got links to all of the um, bookstores. But a lot of publishers do it by hand still, and they spend a lot of money um paying people, <laughs> web people who are expensive to go in and uh, manually make those changes. But it was a great education in the sense of all the different kinds of metadata, because it does get different, right? You were talking about for Bibles, there's this whole category, but it's also like for children's books, right? You can have the illustrator, which is a key metadata field that really only matters for that kind of book, right? Like people don't buy a romance book based off of who the graphic designer was for the cover, right? They don't care. That's not a field typically. Uh, but the narrator field, is an important field if you're listening to an audiobook, and and that's one of the interesting things about um, metadata is it can be different from book to book. And and I do want to ask, how is it different between a ebook and a print book? Because a lot of people will have just those two. Is it the same metadata or is it different? Uh, typically, it's different, and it can be different for a variety of reasons. If you have an, let's say, again, in a Christian world, if you're doing a Bible commentary and you have in the in the process of editorial, you're like, we have to cut. 20 pages of this book. We just we just can't print another 100 pages, whatever. That extra information that you cut from the original uh, manuscript could be included in an extended copy in an ebook because there's no extra cost in printing that in the ebook, right? So um, so you can do things like have the expanded version of the ebook, or you can have a lot of other detail added to an ebook as well. So there, there's things like that that you can expand on in the metadata. In your book description for the ebook, you might say, this is the expanded version. This has videos and enhancements or something like that if you do that kind of thing. The other thing that you can think about is how does the um, how does the ebook actually compare on issues of things like uh, accessibility? Uh, does it meet all of the accessibility requirements uh, that are out there? And I think from a Christian perspective, accessibility, 
is probably one of the most important things that we can do uh, to ensure that our titles reach the largest group of people possible. Uh, there are a lot of people who cannot read an ebook in the standard way. They have to be able to read the book um, in a very large font. They have to be able to have the book read to them. They have to have uh, some sort of other accessible uh, capabilities that they're vision impaired or something. They need to be able to have the book, you know, go through a, a book reading of a vision impairment system. There's a lot of things that you can do as a publisher in an ebook to make a book more accessible. And if you do that, then your metadata can reflect those features, which will make a difference when those uh, people who have that kind of kind of uh, disability can actually find your title. They know that your book has been tested for accessibility. They know that it supports these certain features that they're looking for. So that's the kind of stuff you can do in an ebook to actually make a huge difference in uh, in kind of the the visibility of those features that you have within the ebook itself that are different than what you would run into with the print book. That's really good. So we talked about like ignoring accessibility as a metadata mistake. What are some other mistakes that publishers make when it comes to their metadata? Uh, a lot of times it's just not fleshed out. I think that's the the thing that a lot of publishers just don't do is they don't think about how much data can we send. I, I'd see a lot of publishers who just give a book description and an author bio. They never think about putting an excerpt of the book. Uh, and that's actually a really important part of deciding whether to purchase a book is you know taking a little time to read the first chapter and see if the writer is uh, writing in a style that you like or the story kind of catches your attention or whatever it is. Uh, so that's important. Flesh it out, make it really good, give it a lot of uh, a lot of depth, and then also that refreshing concept. Go back and look at your data on a regular basis. Have a plan for updating your metadata because the more often you update it, the more likely you are uh, to see that there's something you can tweak and that there's you know some other reason that people might want to purchase your book. Go back and look at the new reviews. If you've been getting reviews on a book over the last six months. Take that information and turn it into new keywords. Take that information and tweak your metadata, your book description. There's a lot of things you can do to make sure that that's, uh, that's going to help you in the long term. But a lot of publishers just don't focus on that. So that, that would be my, my two major points is flesh it out really well and don't, don't forget the evergreen nature of the data. That's really good. And if new endorsements come in, right, work with the author. You know, it's like, oh, I just got an email from this really famous pastor who really likes my book. It's like, hey, ask him if you can put that blurb in the metadata, right? It will show up on Amazon. It'll show up on Christian uh, book distributors, right? It's a big deal to add it to the cover, right? Or to print it in the book, but to add it to the metadata, it's just copy and paste. It's very easy and could really make a difference. Uh, and, you know, be a really influential review because this is an author, a pastor or a celebrity who paid money for the book, right? He didn't get a free copy. He's like, oh, please write a review. This is somebody who's a, a true fan. You'll get some really solid uh, recommendations that way. Yeah. And awards too. That's another thing as well. So if your book wins a Christie award or wins some other kind of award, put that on there as well. It's not just about putting on the cover image, put that in the book description or in the metadata somewhere to ensure that that's something people can see front and center as well. Yeah. So, okay. So you got our attention, right? People are listening this far. They're like, all right, I believe you. Metadata is important. I want to start taking my metadata seriously, but they're still like, I'm not exactly sure what it is and how do I see what it is? So how can an author check what their metadata is so that they can uh, do something about it? Just go to your book on Amazon.com or any other site. Uh, if you if you go to that page and you look at that page, it, you know, look at the details. Is the title correct? Do you have the right subtitle? Is there a serious name? Is the pub date correct? Is the price uh, the list price correct? Uh, look at things like the book description. Does it look nice? Does it is it broken in paragraphs the way it should be? Does it have bolding and italics uh, italics where it needs to be? Uh, do you have a book excerpt? Do you have uh, review quotes and endorsements? Do you have any other kind? 
kinds of extended descriptive copy? Do you have your author bio? Does that look correct? Uh, there's all these kind of little details that are just visible right there in front of your face on any kind of uh, retail website. So I would say first and foremost, do that. And realize that every website's different, right? What you see on Amazon is going to differ very much from what you see on, say, Walmart or even on Christian book distributors. So it's going to be a, a different kind of uh, visibility that you'll see in different places. But but just make sure that it's correct and make sure that it looks the way it's supposed to look. You will find times when the styling and the formatting just kind of got broken in that process. And when that happens, you have to go back and fix it in whatever form you uploaded it into or whatever Onyx file you sent it out in and make sure that it's correct there and hope that the retailer will import it properly. But that's the first step. And then if you're not tracking your data very well right now, if you don't have a process or a plan in place for that, then start now. Even if you're a publisher who has three books or you're an author who has one book or you're a publisher with 200 books, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. You have to have a process for maintaining your data internally in your own shop. Um, so you can start out with spreadsheets or you can start out with Word docs. You can start out with Google docs. There's a bunch of other just basic ways to manage your data. Every title have all of your data in one place. Uh, just put it all in one place so it's all there. And if you ever need to go sell it on a different website, you're going to expand your distribution. You want to go give it, the data to somebody else. You'll have that data in one place instead of like, well, where did I put that book description for that book? Oh, that might be in this Word doc in this folder over here. No, put it all everywhere, everything in one place. And that'll help you be more consistent um, as well. And just make sure that you're you're kind of keeping track of it. And then at some point in the future, when you get big enough, your 100 titles or 200 titles, you want to start looking at database solutions. You know, And that's that's when you start thinking about how can we engage the data that we're collecting for our titles and send that data out in a consistent way to all of our retail partners uh, to make sure that they're getting it the way they want it. And that's, that's, where, uh, that's where tools can help you with that a lot more than just, say, a, a spreadsheet or something. And those are the kind of tools that your company develops. Yes. Among, see, you're being very modest here. That was that was an, uh, a great opportunity to, to give a pitch. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, <It's, laughs> there's there's lots of companies that do it. But yeah, and Firebrand, our, our specialty is helping publishers manage that workflow. So I'm obviously happy to help or answer questions about that. But in a general sense, that's the most important thing is to have that data in one place and to engage it in a way that you can keep it up to date and not have to think about where you put it the last time you were messing with it. And we will have a link uh, to Firebrand Tech uh, in the show notes. And if you are a competitor with Firebrand Tech and you would like to come on the show and talk about your tool, shoot me an email because we, we are not uh, um, dis, dis, uh, we don't we don't pick sides here, but uh, we do tend to, to favor people who, who are our guests. <laughs> so, um, all right. So an author is looking at their author page and they're like, oh, I, I want a Christie and it's not listed here. Or they're finding some other change that needs to be made to their metadata and they are traditionally published uh, What's the next step? How do they go about getting that fixed? They'll need to reach out to their publisher. The publisher is in charge of that. So whoever your main contact is over there, whether that's in the publicity department or marketing or your editor, whoever your main contact uh, would be, just reach out to them and they'll know who to talk to on their side. All right. And then if you're indie published, you control that through uh, your KDP dashboard. If you're uh, hopefully you're, you're independently publishing either through Ingram Spark or KDP uh, Direct. Those are the only two that I recommend <laughs> for uh, do-it-yourself publishing. Uh, Book Baby, if you're wanting help, maybe. Um, but 
most independent publishers are not as good as those two. And, and those two both will give you a dashboard that you can see fields. And it's basically just a web page. And you just log in, you pull up that page, and you type in it. It's very uh, straightforward. <laughs> and with KDP, it's owned by Amazon. And they'll tell you, hey, it'll take you know 24 hours to update our website or 48 hours, which is an interesting thing about metadata. Just because the publisher updates the metadata on their end and they are connected with Amazon doesn't mean that it gets immediately updated on Amazon. Amazon does some incredibly complex caching of web pages to be able to serve up billions of web pages um, so quickly. And uh, the downside of that caching is that changes are not instantaneous. Uh, you'll notice even when you leave a review for a book, it's not instantaneously posted uh, to the page. So they don't they don't make fast changes. <laughs> They're very careful about that. Um, any other uh, metadata? We're, we're almost out of time, but any other metadata tips? Anything that we should have talked about but but didn't? I don't think so. I mean, that's uh, I think all that's the key stuff. Uh, and on your point of how long it takes to get data out there, realize that a lot of other retail sites like Barnes and Noble and other places won't take the data or won't they may take the data, but they won't actually update their sites for a week or two weeks in some cases. Uh, so just because you sent it doesn't mean that it's going to show up immediately, no matter where it is. Right. This is a long term um, play and it's a pull technology rather than a push technology, uh, which changes the the speed of things. So patience, I, I know authors hate to be told to be patient, but this is one of the things where the publisher is told to be patient. So every time the publisher told you to be patient, just feel, just you can feel a little warm in your heart that the publisher is getting a, a taste of their own medicine from the retailers. <laughs> Barnes & Noble is like, we'll update when we feel like it. And we're going to feel feel like it sometime in November. So um, and, and just 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 keep that in mind. Uh, Joshua, where where can people find out more about you? Um, our website is firebrandtech.com. So you can go there to find out more about what we do. And uh, I, my bio is on there, everything else. So yeah, that's great. All right. And we'll also have a link to your Twitter if you want to send uh, Joshua uh, any notes or thank yous uh, from this episode on Twitter. Uh, you, you can reach out to him there. Our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Institute. And the course of the week is How to Get Published by Thomas Umstadt Jr. That's me. Uh, it's an overview of both the traditional and independent publishing process. So if you're curious about how to take your book and actually make it a reality, if you're torn between indie publishing and traditional publishing. I am not a partisan. I see the pros and cons of both. And we walk you through exactly how to do it, how to get an agent, how to publish yourself, the whole thing. Uh, you can get that at the Christian Writers Institute. And as always, you can save 10% by using the coupon code podcast at checkout. And Joshua Talent, thank you so much for joining us today on the Christian Publishing Show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.